Let's go in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, if you will. And first semester in our Monday chapels, when we had them uh, together, we were looking at some of the paradoxes in the Bible, and I want to continue that at least for a few weeks, as we were kind of in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and in this beatitude section of Matthew chapter 5, we have several of these paradoxes that the Lord shows us and teaches us from. And I call your attention today to verse number five, and I've entitled this, The Pushed Prosper. The Pushed Prosper. That's a paradox. Matthew chapter five and verse five, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. We sometimes think the people that get ahead, the people that end up prosperous or successful are those that kind of kick everybody off the ladder on their way to the top. But Jesus teaches us the opposite here in this paradox. The meek shall inherit the earth. The pushed prosper. Meekness is not something that we naturally think of as being a part of our desired resume. We might think of, what do I want on my resume? What makes me attractive? What makes me successful? What makes me uh, likable or whatever? And we don't think of meekness as being one of those things, but to be successful with God, meekness is absolutely essential. I think about Moses. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 34 and verse 10, there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So God, when he recorded that record of Moses as his life was coming to an end, he said there was nobody as great as Moses. There was no prophet like him. And the Lord knew him face to face. What a testimony. But it also says about Moses in Numbers 12, now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. Isn't it interesting that there's a correlation between who God calls the greatest and God calls the meekest? Same guy. There was no prophet greater than Moses, but he also says there was nobody any more meek than Moses. So these two go together. There's a correlation. Think about Jesus Christ, who in Matthew chapter 28 said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Set Moses aside for a minute. There was no one greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely perfect in every way. Sinless. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ was meek and lowly of heart. So let's think about three intriguing characteristics of this word meekness. I believe there's a pliability of meekness. The Greek word is the word praeus, which simply means strength under control. I think the best illustration I've heard of meekness is a horse that has been broken. 
That horse has not lost any of its strength when you break the horse, when you uh, uh, get to that horse the place where you can put a bridle in their mouth and a saddle on their back, and you can ride that horse with a bit in his mouth. That horse is no less strong. That horse is no less powerful. He hasn't lost the step. He's not slower because of that saddle or that bridle, but he is, he is now strength under control. And meekness is this word that has this idea of a teachable or a controllable spirit. Have I arrived there yet? Am I at that place where all of my abilities, all of my personality, all of my weaknesses, all of those things that I possess as a human being, are they under the control of the Holy Spirit? Am I pliable clay or am I hardened clay? Clay can be very pliable, it can be made into all sorts of things, or it can become hardened and basically good for nothing. God wants us to be pliable, formable. He wants us to be conformable in his hand. Nabal, O man, who art thou that, that repliest against God? Shall the clay say to him that formeth it, why hast thou made me thus? Do you find yourself saying, God, why is this happening? God, how come my school bill's not paid? God, how come I'm not as pretty as she is? Or how come I don't have the ability he does? Or why, why didn't I make the team? Or why didn't I make the, 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 the choir? Or, you know, Lord, what are you doing? Shall the clay say to him that formeth it, why hast thou made me thus? As clay, do we have a right to say, this is how I want to be made? This is how I want to be formed? No, the clay has only a responsibility to be pliable. How foolish it is to think that we can harden ourselves against God and prosper. Who hath hardened himself against God and hath prospered? Which removeth the mountains and they know not. Which overturneth them in his anger. Which shaketh the earth out of her place and the pillars thereof tremble. Which calleth Arcturus and Orion and Pallades and the chambers of the south. Which doeth great things past finding out. Yea, and wonders without number. We must be pliable. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, the sword shall devour you, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So there's a pliability involved with meekness. But then notice, secondly, the provoking of meekness. I mentioned Numbers chapter 11 a moment ago, and where God talks about the meekness of Moses. Nobody more meek than Moses. When you get to chapter 12, it talks about that same meekness in verse 3. But it's interesting that when God makes that comment about Moses being meek, verses 1 and 2, which precede it, in fact, verse 3 is in parentheses, verses 1 and 2 describe the rebellious people as they turned on Moses. In other words, they were fed up with Moses. We're tired of your leadership. We want to go back to Egypt. We're done with this manna stuff. It's getting old. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to where we were. Uh, if you would have never brought us out of there, we told you that we'd go out there and die in the wilderness. I told you so, Moses. I mean, they're rebelling against him. They're questioning his leadership. And then the Bible puts in parentheses, there was nobody more meek than Moses. Jesus was constantly harassed, constantly criticized by his enemies. And you know what? As a Christian, 
as a Christian worker, as a labor in the harvest, you will be considered soft. You'll be considered, oh, you're weak. You're, you're, you're a servant. You're surrendering all of your rights. You've submitted to the will of God. That's the way a lot of people looked at Jesus. He came to this earth to simply do the will of his Father, to be surrendered to whatever God the Father wanted him to do. I, I do always the things that please him, he said. And people didn't see the, the leader in Jesus that they thought they were hoping for, that person that would deliver them from the Roman Empire, whatever. They didn't see him as that Messiah that they'd hoped for. And so there was criticism and there was, there was a, a rebellion against his teachings. But Christ, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You're going to get some criticism as a Christian. We're living in times today where we're seeing it. We're seeing where Christians and those who believe the Bible, and, and, and Pastor talked about this last night in the message, there's going to be that opposition. There are going to be those that are going to come against us with an onslaught of falsehoods. What's our response? What ought to be is Christ. We say, well, he had a little advantage. He was God. And that's just not my personality. That's just not the way I'm put together. That's not the way I'm wired. When somebody does me wrong, I want to get even. I want revenge. I want to make them pay. Well, let's take a human example. How about Stephen? When Stephen was stoned, what was his response? Lay not this into their charge. Meekness. Someone will try to take advantage of you in the ministry. Someone will try to take advantage of you as a Christian. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Stephen follows in the very steps of the Lord Jesus Christ, who from the cross said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Stephen says, lay not this sin to their charge. There's going to be some pressure. There's going to be some persecution. But notice thirdly the product of meekness. Verse 5 tells us the meek shall inherit the earth. You see, the score hasn't been tallied yet. Rewards haven't been given out yet. I was thinking about this this morning. I was looking at a little bit of news on my phone and, and the last House of Representatives election still isn't decided. One, one of the House seats still isn't decided. <laughs> They're still counting votes. They found some more votes last week. And now they think this, this particular candidate is going to win because they're still counting. When was the election? Wasn't it last year? Wasn't it like in 2020, that year we've already forgot about? Here we are in February of 2021. They're still counting votes. Amazing. Well, you know what? I thought, you know what? God hasn't counted all the votes yet. The score isn't on the board yet. 
And there may be some things that come our way that we don't like, and there may be some persecution, there may be some people that trouble us, but the rewards aren't handed out yet. Fear uh, uh, none of these things, God said. Uh, uh, Commit yourself to him. Be thou faithful unto death. I'll give thee the crown of life. Moses came to the point where he chose rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He could have caved. He could have given in early in his life and said, ah, I don't want to pay this price. I don't want to be meek. I don't want to, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to do these things. But Moses chose because he saw something way beyond the now and now. He saw the eternal score. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs of Christ. If so be that you suffer with him, that ye may be glorified together. Again, I think of Stephen. Stephen, in that moment of being stoned, says, lay not this sin to their charge. And the Bible says that Stephen saw, as he was dying, Jesus standing on the right hand of God. In Acts chapter 7, verse 55, he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. This is the only time in the New Testament where Jesus ever stands up. When Jesus went back to heaven, the Bible says he sat down on the right hand of the Father, indicating his earthly ministry was was finished, was closed, was done. When you finish a task, you go sit down. You give a speech, after you give the speech, you go sit down. Teach a lesson, afterwards you go sit down. Um, When we get done teaching classes, we go to our office and sit down. (laughs) You go back to the dorm, sit down. Over. Jesus finished his work. He finished the will of his Father. He went back to heaven and sat down on the right hand of God. When the heavens opened to receive Stephen, Stephen saw Jesus standing. I don't know exactly because the Bible doesn't tell us why Jesus stood up. But I believe he stood up out of respect, just as we would stand out of respect. Jesus stood out of respect for this first martyr of the church. And as Stephen lived this life of meekness, God said, Stephen, didn't go too well for you down there, but welcome to heaven. Well done. I am proud of you, my son. Think of that. Down here, we may suffer. We may have somebody rip our face. We may have somebody do us wrong, mistreat on the job, in college, with our families, in all venues of life. It may not go well, and we may feel like we're getting the short end of the stick here. But remember, one day heaven will open for you. And I wonder, will the Lord Jesus Christ tell you well done? Because like Moses, like Stephen, you were meek. It says about a virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, that a meek and a quiet spirit is preferred. And Jesus later, or the Bible later, kind of analyzes that further. It says a meek and a quiet spirit is of great price. 
We don't think of meekness being on our resume. But with God, if you're going to be successful, you better get it there. It better be a part of who you are.